This is Real Estate Rookie Show number 68. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. Hey, Tony, how are you today? I am doing well, Ash. We had a, a really cool kind of switch up for today's episode, so I'm excited to get into this for the listeners. Yeah, so this is Saturday. Happy Saturday, everyone. And this is the Rookie Reply. And usually it's just me and Tony, you know, babbling away about something real estate. (laughs) Shooting the breeze. But today (laughs) we are bringing on an author and guest, uh, Julia Galoff, and she is going to talk about mindset. Yeah, so she's got a book called The Scout Mindset. And uh, it's really it's a really cool concept, but it's basically about how some people um, do themselves a disservice by being so committed to their ideas that they pass up on potentially good advice and insights from other people and uh, how you can kind of shift your mindset to be more of a of a scout with your ideas um, to just kind of make better decisions in life. Yeah, I think you guys will find it very interesting as to, you know, and she doesn't have a real estate background at all. So that's why we kind of worked with her to kind of tailor these as to, you know, how can the scout mindset help real estate investors? So make sure you guys take a listen and then let us know. Let us know on Facebook and the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group what you guys think about these kinds of episodes. And maybe we can kind of incorporate more of them on Saturdays. So, Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. 
Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Ricky and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Julia, thanks so much for having us on the podcast today. We are super, super excited to have you on. Oh, my pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah. So this is this is kind of a new thing for us. So you're, you're on one of our Saturday episodes and usually it's just Ash and I kind of talking real estate shop. Um, but you've got, I think, like a really cool perspective to bring to the podcast. Now, you're not known for being a real estate investor. Thanks. You are an author. Um, you've got a really cool book not coming quite. out. <laughs> yeah. You've got a cool book coming out that we'll talk yeah. about, but you're here to talk to us mostly about mindset today. Um, so we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. But I guess before we do, just give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are, Julia. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Julia Galef. I'm a, an author and podcaster. I have a podcast called Rationally Speaking. And I, uh, for several years, I taught kind of educational workshops on improving reasoning and decision making. Um, and I, I also give talks about it and do some consulting as well. Um, so this is my, my main focus in my career is how do we improve our reasoning and our decision making? And uh, the book that I wrote, my first book coming out April 13th is called The Scout Mindset. And it's kind of about the most important things that I learned from this process of, you know, in the past 10 years, studying how to improve our reasoning and decision making. I love it. And, you know, one of the things that I always say, Julian, and, you know, Ashley and I both say this is that what holds a lot of um, would-be or aspiring real estate investors back it isn't that they don't have the technical knowledge or they don't understand the steps that they need to take, but it's that they're missing something on the mental side, right? There's some kind of mental block or obstacle that's holding them back from taking action. So you've got a really cool framework that I want to get into. So, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned the name of your book. It's called The Scouts or The Scout Mindset. So what is that? Like, mm -hmm. and, and just walk us through it from a kind of a, a ground level. Sure. Yeah. So. The scout mindset, simply put, is the motivation to see things as clearly as possible, to see what's really there, as opposed to seeing what you wish was there, what you want to see. And it's part of a, the framing metaphor of my book um, in which soldier mindset is my term for the, the mode that we humans are often in by default, where uh, we're motivated not to see what's really there, but to um, kind of defend our pre-existing beliefs or defend something we want to be true against any evidence or argument that might threaten it. Uh, and the, the metaphor comes from the fact that, you know, if you just look at the way we talk about reasoning um, or talk about disagreements in the English language, the language is all very militaristic. You know, we'll talk about like uh, a strong belief or an unshakable belief, almost like it's a fortress um, that we're trying to protect. When someone makes an argument that we don't like, we try to poke holes in it or shoot it down or rebut it, which is also a military term. 
And also in this metaphor, when we, you know, change our minds about something, the militaristic language for that is all like about admitting defeat. Like you've, you know, you conceded a point that's like ceding territory in a battle or or even the word admitting is, is like admitting the enemy into your fortress or your city. And so that's why I use the term soldier mindset for this thing. And it's, I didn't, you know, I'm not the first person to identify this phenomenon. I'm sure people are familiar with it under different names like uh, rationalizing or or wishful thinking or motivated reasoning or confirmation bias. These are all facets of what I'm calling soldier mindset. And so scout mindset is my term for the alternative to this because a scout's role is not to uh, attack or defend. A scout's role is to go out there, see what's really there and form as accurate a map as possible of what's really there and, you know, the terrain and the situation. Um, and so, you know, you, you may have preferences about what's true. Like you may hope to learn that there's a bridge across the river where you need to cross, but most of all, you want to make sure you see what's actually true. So you don't want to draw a bridge on your map when there actually isn't a bridge in reality. Could you give us an, a real life example of those two mindsets and how each different person would kind of handle that scenario? Sure. And before I do that, I'll just add this clarification that uh, even though I talk sometimes about scouts and soldiers, it's not like some people are perfect scouts and other people are perfect soldiers. We're all just a mix of both. Um, but I think some people, you know, are better than average at being in scout mindset when it counts. Um, and so sometimes I'll just say scouts to refer to people like that. But I, I don't think anyone's perfect. Certainly not me. So example of scout mindset, just so many ways in which this can manifest. But it can come up when you're, you know, dealing with or seeking out feedback about, you know, what you might be wrong about or what you might be doing wrong as a leader or as a, you know, romantic partner. And so a scout would be more inclined to actually seek out feedback about what am I doing wrong or what do you think like I could improve on? And also a scout would, would kind of go further than that bare minimum and, and really actually try to make sure the other person feels comfortable telling them the truth because often... Uh, I find it's easy to to kind of pat yourself on the back for asking for feedback, but to ask it in a way that the other person feels like they have to just tell you the thing you want to hear anyway. <laughs> so, you know, a scout would kind of bend over backward to make sure they're actually hearing the truth and not just what they want to hear. Um, and I, this is something I struggle with myself. So I noticed when I was teaching workshops, I I knew it was important to get feedback from my students about how things were going and if they were understanding things and having fun and so on. And so I went and asked them, you know, how's, how are things going? Are you enjoying the workshop? And so I felt very proud of myself. And then I noticed that when I was asking people these questions, like, are you enjoying the workshop? I was nodding at them. <laughs> like, so are you having fun? <laughs> and even like holding, I, I caught myself holding my thumbs up at one point. And so... I kind of like this example, even though it's not very flattering to me, of because it shows this tension between the scout, the soldier and the scout mindset in us. Um, because on the one hand, I did want to, you know, hear the truth about how things were going, even if it was bad. But on the other hand, I really wanted to protect my image of myself as a great teacher and, you know, a great uh, leader. Uh, and so I was kind of putting my finger on the scale when I was asking the question. And so... One aspect of scout mindset is sort of really bending over backward to try to make sure you're not doing that, that you're not fooling yourself. So, Julia, what are some of the the benefits of having a scout mindset versus that soldier mindset? Um, you talked about what they are, but why should I strive to be a scout uh, over a soldier? Well, the the main reason is just because it it gives you better judgment. 
Um, like the more, you know, just like a, a scout, having an accurate map of the terrain makes it easier for you to choose, you know, which way to go and how to avoid the pitfalls and how to get to where you're going more quickly. The same thing is true in real life. Uh, the more accurate your picture of yourself and your strengths and weaknesses and what actually makes you happy instead of, you know, what you think should make you happy. Um, and the more accurate your picture of the business landscape out there and, you know, what are the odds of success? Like, what's my best guess at the odds of success of my current business plan? Should I be trying to improve it or should I scrap it entirely and, you know, come up with a new business plan? There's just, there's just countless decisions that we have to make on a day-to-day -day basis and just, you know, bigger decisions in our lives about what to do that where the quality of those decisions really depend on how accurately you're perceiving the situation. And so Scout Mindset is all about giving you that accurate picture you know, without distorting it based on what you wish was true. So I could talk a little if you want about why people don't automatically do that, but that's that's the goal of Scout Mindset. Let's talk a little bit more about the the how of making this happen. You, you talked about some of the benefits and I, I think I, we can all agree with that, right? Like there's benefits to making sure that you're not, you're not making a decision just because it was your own thought. You're making a decision because it's the right decision to make. Um, so if, if I'm, you know, someone that's really got this soldier mindset where I'm, I'm very territorial over my ideas and I have a hard time accepting other points of views um, and I find myself making bad decisions because of that, how can I start to make the transition towards more of this scout mindset? Yeah. So the thought experiment I mentioned is, is one tool to help you notice if you're in soldier mindset or scout mindset. Um, but we also need tools to help to make it easier to shift into scout mindset into a place where you want to honestly see the truth and not just defend your views. And so one example of that strategy that I talk about in the book is, so I, I talk about how we, all of us as humans, we need these things I call coping strategies. So when, you know, there's something, a stressful decision or something we're worried about, or maybe something we feel guilty about or ashamed about, we need a coping strategy to deal with that emotion. And by default, we tend to reach for uh, self-deceptive coping strategies often where, you know, that could be like maybe my, my project failed or I didn't make the sale or something. And so that's, you know, I feel bad about that. And so I'm going to reach for something to tell myself to feel better, the coping strategy. And, you know, there are a lot of coping strategies that that are not rooted in truth. Like, well, that wasn't my fault because, you know, that customer was an idiot. And so he didn't know what he was doing. So I don't have to, I don't have to feel bad about that. Or maybe, well, it wasn't my fault because, you know, my, my spouse has been really demanding lately. And so I didn't have the time to really devote to this, whatever. There's so many things you could tell yourself that may or may not be true. Um, and what I point out in the book is that there are also tons of coping strategies that make you feel better that are true. And you don't have to resort to the self-deceptive approach if you just take a little more care and a little more time to, to try to find something that makes you feel better that's also true then you won't be distorting your judgment so much you won't be distorting your map so much so you know if you if your sale didn't close or something and you feel bad about that a potential true thing you could tell yourself to feel better is well you know yes that failed but i'm closing more sales than i used to so i'm like i'm on an upward track um even if i'm not at you know, perfection yet, if that's true, like, hopefully that is true. Or you could tell yourself, you know, well, like it failed, but here's some like useful things I learned from the experience and that's going to make me better in the future. And so maybe that makes you feel better uh, if that's true. And so I think this is like an important, like a central part of being a better scout is finding 
finding ways to not need soldier mindset so much. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And my follow up to that would be is how do you stay confident then you especially when you have those times where you have the scout mindset and then, you know, it doesn't work out. How do you stay confident? Yeah, this is actually something I hear a lot. People are often concerned that there's like an inherent tension between being a good scout and being confident. And and they have this image in their mind of someone who's, you know, very realistic and, you know, recognizes all the uncertainties, recognizes all the potential flaws in their plans. And as a result, that person seems very, you know, wishy-washy and unconfident and not competent. Um, And so this is like one of the reasons people are resistant to to being a scout. And I think this is uh, actually a mistake, like an understandable mistake, but still a mistake. Um, And so to explain why, I like to describe the story of Jeff Bezos when he was first deciding to quit his job on Wall Street in the 90s and start the company that would become Amazon. So Jeff Bezos is, in a lot of ways, I think a good example of scout mindset because he likes to, to sort of think really realistically about risks and odds and not deceive himself about those things. And so when he was deciding to start Amazon, he, he asked himself, what do I actually think is the probability that I'm going to succeed if I do this? And his best guess was maybe 30%, which it's, it's not actually that bad when it comes to the success of a new company. It's better than average, but it's still like less than 50%. It's, you know, it's odds that most people wouldn't feel super excited about, like devoting Especially years of my life to this company. Where his company has come today. <laughs> like, right. He definitely today. underestimated himself, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like part of what's so funny about it. But at that moment beforehand, when he didn't know that he was going to be a success and he was just, you know, trying to think about the odds realistically. Um, so he gave himself 30% chance of success. And... You might assume that like, okay, if he really thinks that at least surely he's not going to say that to investors, right? Or to the public or something, because who who wants to invest in a company where the, the you know, founder says, I think we're probably going to fail. But he did. And he's, he's talked about this. He's written about this in all of his initial pitch meetings with potential funders. He told them, you know, I think there's probably a 70% chance you'll lose all your money. So don't invest unless you, you know, feel like you can afford to lose the money. <laughs> and, and so it's an interesting question. Like, why was he so successful in raising money, not just in that initial seed capital round, but, you know, later on, too, when he was getting big name investors from the top VC firms and the valuation was going up and up, he, he kept saying similar things uh, and in media interviews as well, saying, you know, there's no guarantee Amazon's going to succeed. What we're trying to do is very complicated. You know, it's just really hard to predict which companies are going to succeed and which are not. I can't predict that. And so why was he so successful? And here I finally get to my answer. Uh, the confusion that I think we, people tend to have is conflating two different kinds of confidence. So on the one hand, we have what I call epistemic confidence, which is like, how certain are you that you're right? How certain are you of the truth or how certain are you of, you know, the success of your company? Um, And so Jeff Bezos saying 30% is kind of low epistemic confidence. But there's another kind of confidence that I, for lack of a better term, I call social confidence, which is just about how like poised and self-assured are you? How... um, you know, do you go out and, and try hard things and be bold and take charge? And do you, you know, do you act like you're worth listening to? Do you seem to be comfortable and, and confident in the, the groups that you're in? And that 
you know, those two types of confidence are, we often assume they have to go together, but they don't have to because Jeff Bezos had tons of what I'm calling social confidence. Um, and a lot of his early investors commented on that. They, they, you know, marveled at how, you know, passionate and driven he was and how inspiring his vision of Amazon was, even though he was saying this vision is not guaranteed to work. He was still, you know, showed a ton of uh, charisma in, in talking about his vision. You, know, you can watch early videos of him from, you know, the 90s when he's talking about, you know, we're in like the Kitty Hawk stage of internet commerce. You know, this is like the best time to be alive and like things are going to get crazy. And he's just, you know, he's so animated. And so that just anecdotally from stories like Jeff Bezos and also from the research that I've looked at in the cognitive science literature, that kind of ability to be, you know, bold and charismatic and socially confident is actually what seems to make a difference when people are judging whether you're a good leader or judging how competent you are, how much to trust you. That's what they're paying attention to. And whether, you know, whether you have like a realistic and uncertain picture of the situation doesn't, that's not going to make you look bad is what I'm saying. A lot of real estate investors are trying to buy a house from somebody. So would this be a way that, you know, they should approach these sellers as to you know, being like Jeff Bezos and being animated and being driven and showing their passion. And this could also work if you're attracting, you know, money too. Are you attracting investors to invest with you? Do you want, um, you know, private money lenders to lend to you? Uh, are these things that you think would be incorporated into to real estate well? I mean, uh, there are different kinds of confidence that appeal to different kinds of people. Like, I don't know, some people look at at Tony Robbins and they think he's incredibly charismatic and other people look at him and they think, oh, he's kind of smarmy or something. And so it does, it helps to know your audience, right? Like who, who, who are you trying to appeal to? Um, but, but as a general rule, yeah. Um, like finding, and this doesn't come naturally to everyone. It doesn't come naturally to me, uh, certainly, but there, there are things you can do to increase your social confidence, like, you know, practice speaking up in front of crowds of people, um, practice going out and, um, you know, asking people out or, or asking like cold calling people and getting used to rejection so that it becomes less scary to you. All of these things are ways to increase your confidence and your, thereby your like persuasiveness and ability to sell, I would imagine, without, you know, having to tell yourself things that aren't true. And so a lot of my message is just encouraging people to find these ways to get the things they value, like confidence and influence and emotional comfort without resorting to self-deceptive strategies. So, I, I, man, I, I love everything that you're breaking down. And so much of this, I think, applies to folks that are looking to break into real estate investing. But I, I want to go back a little bit to, um, you made a comment when we first started talking about how you were initially trying to get feedback from people at your workshops and that you were kind of smiling, mm -hmm. giving them the thumbs up as you were kind of asking for like that trying feedback. Trying to encourage them, yeah. So what what's the right way to ask for feedback from people so that you can actually get like the honest truth from folks? Mm-hmm. So I have a friend who does this really well, better than me. Uh, he's a, he's, he runs like a startup incubator. And so he leads teams of people and every six months or year, he, he, you know, sends out surveys to the people who work for him asking about things he could do better or, you know, what they're dissatisfied with, what's not working. And one thing that he does that I really like is he, he asks the same question in different ways. Um, so he'll ask, you know, uh, what could I be doing better as a boss? And so maybe people are afraid to, you know, give an honest answer to that. But then later in the survey, he also asks, you know, if you had to like pick one thing for me to change, what would that be? Um, and so, 
you know, that question, it's it kind of prompts you like, well, if I have to pick one thing, like it's almost like he's he's giving them permission or it's it's like he's removing the ability for them to demur and avoid the question. Um, and I think he also actually has made the surveys anonymous and that helps as well because people have less fear of, um, you know, offending him. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot you can do, I think, in the way you ask questions to signal to people, I'm, I genuinely want an honest answer and I'm not, I'm not going to penalize you for it. And then of course, the other important thing is you have to not penalize people for telling you, uh, the truth that may not be pleasant to hear. And that's, that's always hard, but you know, you have to just really push yourself to thank them and remember, you know, if I, if I act offended, then I'm cutting off my ability to get you know, honest feedback in the future. So uh, that's another big part of it as well. Uh, for rookie real estate investors who, you know, there's so many different meetups out there, so many different ways to network uh, with other investors. Who should they be networking with? Is there a way that should they be connecting with other people who have a scout mindset already? Or do, you know, is there anything advice you can give them as to how to decide who are the people that I want to network and connect with? Yeah. So there's some obvious things like some people are just really well connected or, you know, have have some uh, access to something that's really useful to you. But I think it's also important to not lose sight of this other criterion that it's good to pay attention to, which is just do these people in my network help me be a better version of myself or a worse version of myself? And so what I mean by that is my examples are less from um, real estate networks, but but just in general, when you're like building an audience um, or, or building a network of potential clients or customers, or when you're starting a company or building a community, you you make these choices all the time about what kind of people to attract and what kind of people to repel because you you can't attract everything like or everyone you know certain as i was saying about like tony robbins um certain personalities are going to attract some people and turn other people off and that's true of all personalities so so you, you make these choices whether you're thinking about them consciously or not and uh you can choose by you know demonstrating scout mindset by demonstrating like in intellectual integrity and intellectual honesty that will naturally attract other people who appreciate that um and you know will will thank you when you say you know well uh actually that thing i told you last month it looks like that was wrong so let me let me revise that now and tell you what i think is more accurate that's something a lot of people respond well to but not everyone some people will be like you know oh well you shouldn't have been wrong in the first place and i don't think that's realistic but some people will get mad at you anyway and so you can just kind of decide over time that the people you want to have in your network are the people who appreciate the intellectual integrity and honesty. Um, and I think that actually that makes it much easier to either, you know, sell to them or, you know, collaborate with them because you don't have to be facing this tension between being honest and realistic on the one hand and being, you know, like persuasive and appealing to people on the other. Because for these people that you've attracted, like being honest and having integrity is the thing that appeals to them. So, you know, you've just, you've like given yourself a headwind instead of a, or sorry, a, a tailwind instead of a headwind there by the people you've attracted. Man, I, I love that advice, Julia. So I, I've, I've got, I've got one other question because I'm, yeah, you know, we looked at your book briefly before we, before we hopped on the call here. And one of the chapters was to, to lean into confusion. And I'm just super curious what that means. And if you can kind of break that out for us. And I, and I asked that because 
as as someone who's thinking about getting started in real estate investing there is so much confusion and i think there's so much like conflicting yeah. information and you're not quite sure which way to go so i'm i'm just curious what that means and if you can break it down for us yeah so the the specific kind of confusion i was i was referring to in that chapter is when the world kind of contradicts your expectations so uh for example if you're if you think of yourself as a great teacher um and you get your student feedback forms and they're kind of negative that's like a surprising and kind of confusing why would why i don't understand why did i do badly i thought i was a great teacher um and so the temptation is to try to fit shoehorn that results back into the narrative that you already have to try to make it make sense. And so you come up with some explanation that resolves the confusion, like, well, th this actually happened to me when I f was first starting teaching. And so uh, I got lower ratings than someone else who I thought was a worse teacher than me, which was confusing and weird. And so the explanation I came up with to resolve that confusion was, you know, well, he um, uh, he's, he's teaching them a subject that, you know, is easier than my subject. And so that's why they like him better, which maybe like that could be true. But I think it's good to kind of recognize that you got a confusing result, that, that a confusing thing happened and just hold on to that. And and then over time, if enough, if you notice enough kind of surprising or confusing results, that might cause, you know, a paradigm shift where it just changes your picture of what's going on. Maybe you realize like, oh, actually, maybe I'm not a good teacher or, oh, you know, actually this assumption that I had about the best way to sell to someone, maybe that actually isn't true. Um, but in order to have that realization, you need to actually notice and acknowledge the things that don't fit what you expected under that assumption. I, I absolutely love that that thought process, Julie, because so many people who get into real estate investing, they have those kind of confusing, conflicting moments, I think, all the time. Because before you get your first deal done, there's a lot of fear and anxiety, and it's just like really, really big, uh, scary thing that's going to happen. But as you start taking the steps towards getting that first purchase, you, you realize that it's not as scary as you thought it was, right? You're like, oh man, like, you know, the process of getting uh, your first house are you get, you, you get pre-approved and then you find an agent and then you submit an offer and then you do this. And it's like every step of the way you realize that there was all of this kind of scariness you had built up and tension you had built up around this thing. But when you actually right. did it, it, it's, it's not as scary as you thought it was. And how you mentioned the more of those you have, the easier that it becomes. That can kind of turn too with uh, finding deals. Like you can, you know, get your offers denied, rejected, and you can keep making up excuses. Well, that other person's, they're probably paying all cash. I can't pay all cash and making right. excuses as to, you know, why your offer isn't getting accepted instead of trying to, okay, what do I need to change to get my offer accepted instead of just making right. excuses as to why they weren't. Right. And I find it helps to approach these situations with just a a genuine spirit of curiosity. Like this is a puzzle. I, you know, want to figure out the answer to this puzzle. And that that curiosity can help move you away from the feeling of defensiveness where I like want to defend myself against this possibility uh, that I might have been wrong. Well, Julia, thank you so much for all of your oh, insight today. Yeah, we we really enjoyed, you know, switching up the podcast today and learning some more about a, a mindset shift we can have. So why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find out more information about you and definitely more about your book? 
yeah, uh, thank you so much. This was this was great fun, and it was cool to see my ideas applied to a domain that I'm not that familiar with, which is uh, real estate investing. So, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, my name is Julia Galef, and my website is juliagalef.com. It has links to my podcast, Rationally Speaking, and to my book, The Scout Mindset. Um, so there's a page on my website uh, about the Scout Mindset. And also, if you just Google the Scout Mindset, you'll see, uh, you, you know, you can pre-order it. It's coming out April 13th, um, but you can pre-order it now or the audiobook if you prefer listening to things on Amazon.com or on Penguin Random House's page, The Scout Mindset. Well, thank you so much, Julia. We really enjoyed having you on the show. Absolutely. And make sure everyone check out her book, The Scout's Mindset, available on your website. Uh, thanks. Thanks again. We really enjoyed having you here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. Make sure you guys join our Facebook group. We, you know, keep growing and growing. It's so awesome to meet all of you rookies. And uh, if you like this episode, let us know, and maybe we'll do a couple of these uh, every once in a while. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.